All right, so I'm going to try to be brief today. I know that we're still kind of rec recovering from holiday New Year-y stuff and all that kind of thing, and uh, I don't want to give you too much, but I have this message. I believe the Lord gave me this message. We're going to start our Gospel of John series next week, and that's going to run at least till Easter, but it might go beyond. I've been talking to Pastor Kevin, and I'll continue to talk to Pastor Kevin a little bit about how we're going to lay that out. It might just go all the way till summer. We'll just see. Um, there's a lot to cover there, and I'd rather cover it deeply, uh, but we're going to talk about that at the end. So, But this message I have is a way to start the year that I really felt like the Lord gave me like six weeks ago. Like at Thanksgiving, I knew this was going to happen, and I put it in Planning Center as proof. The only thing that changed is slightly is the, um, the title, which is... Uh, it's straight out of the Bible, the most excellent way, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll recognize that, uh, that verse is from 1 Corinthians 12, 31, um, where Paul says, he's, he's talking, he says, now eagerly, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And I, if you're my age, I like this because it reminds me of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where everything... <laughs> It was all about being most excellent. And I do know they made a new one of these, which I haven't seen. So hopefully that's not ruining everything I'm going to reference to Bill and Ted. Because this won't be the last time that we reference Bill and Ted <laughs> in this message. But Pastor Kevin invited us last week. If you haven't heard his message, you should go back and listen to it. Because he was talking about the season between Christmas and New Year's and how weird that week can be sometimes. Like some of us have just gotten back from visiting people or going to visit people or still visiting people or we're whatever there's just like and it's kind of like we're kind of at the end of things but we're not at the beginning yet and he said that's a perfect time to be reflective okay i totally agreed he he told us what we should you know a good thing to do would be just pray and ask god for one word one word that he would speak over your life right now one word he'd speak over the church just something that like god will tell you things if you ask him and he was saying ask him for a word for right now you know and it's it's just a good idea you know it's not a bad idea to do every day you know, but at least do it, you know, at a time like that. But it, it, I found myself very receptive to the message he was speaking, and I did it, and I'll share that in a second. But I also have been in, like, a, this kind of very personally reflective time because when my, as my grandmother passed away, it's kind of the end of an era in a lot of ways. You know, like, we, they even had, like, a family farm that they've had for hundreds of years. My, it's on my granddad's side, but she was buried beside him on this family farm, and it was, it's, it's, Symbolic. My grandmother's house, they're going to, you know, tear down and they're going to sell the land. And it's going to be built into these, you know, mansions or whatever because that part of the city is. But, like, outside of the city where this family farm is, there's this huge, you know, if, you, if you're standing there where they're burying people because there's a cemetery. There are family graves. They go back, like, hundreds of years. And then if you look this way, it's this, like, bucolic farmland and all this kind of thing. And if you turn, like, over this way, there's this gigantic U-line uh, distribution warehouse. <laughs> And it's, like, across the street. And there's a big for sale sign that's been, like, knocked down. It's like, this whole property has been for sale. And then, so they're going to leave the graveyard because they have to leave that kind of stuff. But it's, like, you're standing there knowing that, like, if I come back here in two years, there's going to be, like, you know, an Amazon warehouse right here. And we're going to be behind, the, you know, behind a fence, behind the, you know, beep, 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 like that kind of thing. You know, so it, it had that weird feeling about it. You know, even my daughter Charlotte was, like, she'd never been to this place ever because it's not, like, a place we hang out at. And she was, like, what the fuck? Because there's like an old farmhouse there that no one lives in anymore, and it's all gonna—it's just all gonna be gone. And then going back to my grandmother's house and knowing that all of this is gonna be non-existent, you know, it makes you kind of reflect on things. And I actually think it was a gift to me because, um, 
many, all of you have experienced this, and I think that COVID times have caused us all to reflect about a lot of things, and when you do lose a loved one or events like that, it causes a shift in, I, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's just me, I think this is an everybody thing, but something happens like that, and then all of a sudden you just feel differently about everything, and I don't know how long it lasts, but it like at least for a season you're like, it's different now, and the things I thought were important, a lot of those things don't seem important anymore. And things that seem insignificant all of a sudden seem really significant. And you're like, that's kind of interesting. My reflection on that is that that's probably closer to the truth than how we feel normally, okay? Not 100%. Some of us are, you know, get weird about things. But, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. The, sometimes you can, like, hyperanalyze everything and it gets it, it becomes less than helpful. But I think for the average person, when you go through an emotional thing like that, that kind of flipping of values or shifting of values, because not all of them change. Some of the things you thought were important stay important, but just some of the things you're really worried about, all of a sudden you don't care about it anymore, and things you, you didn't care about, you do. And it was funny seeing, you know, going through my grandmother's house, and it was like people would be like, you know, do you want to take anything? And it's kind of like the things people were, you know, like one of my cousins or something or my brother being like, you know, this completely insignificant flashlight really reminds me of my granddad. I would like to have that. You know what I mean? And it's like, this is like from the dollar. I think the, the flashlight we were talking about, it was like given away with batteries. You know, it was like that kind of thing. But it's like, but he always had it. And so it reminded, so there's these kinds of things where suddenly this seems significant. Anyway, my point is when you're thinking through your life or I'm thinking through my life or we're thinking through the church life, especially in these crazy cloudy times, which are just getting murkier in the world, you know, you can use these kinds of things as a guide to go, what's really important here, you know? Um, anyway, but then uh, Paul gets at that in this chapter when he's saying the most excellent way. And he's talking about the most excellent way to live, the most excellent way to think, the most excellent way to be, all these kinds of things. Because Corinthians is a book where he's writing to a church he helped start. Like we went through this in Acts, you know, he's starting all these churches, and then sometimes he would send back correspondence like, hey, I'm hearing Y'all are doing some really good stuff and some really bad and weird stuff. And so I'm going to, like, write about that. So if you read through the first part of Corinthians getting up to this, he's giving a lot of, like, this I hear is good. This is not good. Y'all need to change this. This is really bad. And, you know, these kinds of things. This is how this letter goes. And then he gets into this chapter of chapter 12 where he's talking about worshiping together and the spiritual gifts. And we talked about this recently when I said, like, the body. This is where all, like, all that body, like, there's different parts of the body. Not everybody can do all these different spiritual gift things and all this kind of stuff. And so before we get into chapter 13, because chapter 13 is all about love. This is the famous verse that everybody always reads at weddings, which is fine, but probably not the best. Like, if you go, oh, that's the wedding passage, it's like, yeah, okay. But he just said it's the most excellent way. I mean... It's the most excellent way. It's not just to read before they get married, you know. This is like the way we all need to be. But it's sandwiched in between two chapters about spiritual gifts, which we need to address the context of this really quick. And this is probably going to bother everyone a little. Okay, so I, <laughs> I'll, 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 I apologize a little bit that this might be bothersome because I suspect that most of us fall into one of these two categories that I think Paul is addressing I'm going to translate them into our context. And I think that we're just kind of the same as these people. So he's saying, no, it's all, and then it's all about love, and then also no, okay? 
So there's two no's, and you're probably going to hear him saying one of these to you and focusing then on the way of love, okay? But it's going to be bothersome. Uh, so the first correction you find in like chapter 12, because he's laying out spiritual gifts. And when I say spiritual gifts, some of us go, yeah, I don't do that. Like, that's the weird stuff. Because he talks about prophecy and speaking in tongues and all these sorts of stuff like that. And, some people, and so the first correction he gives, and again, I said this is probably going to be bothersome, so I apologize. But the first correction is that he's, you can't really just say, yeah, I'm fine without that. Like, I'm a Christian person, and I don't need any of that. Because if you read through this, that's not how he's talking. He's not like, you know, for the guys that are into this sort of thing, here's some notes. He's talking about just Christians, all of us. Okay, he does say that not all of us have the same gifts. That's an important part of that. But you can't just go when I encounter something in the Bible that's weird to me. I just pretend like it's not there. You know, there's some famous I can't somebody can Google this. that's at home right now. One of our founding fathers, I can't remember which one, maybe Thomas Jefferson or something, went through some of the Gospels and like whited out all of Did I get that right? I just pulled that out of nowhere. That is not in the notes. Yeah, he cut out all the all of the healing stuff and all of the miracles because he was like, let's be real about this, you know. You know, that's not how you should read the Bible, okay? That's not a good, a good, yeah. So the first correction is, in your Christian life of following Jesus, when it comes to spiritual gifts, you can't just say, I'm fine without that. And they're gifts, okay? This is another important thing. You don't get to just pick. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Santa Claus part of the Chronicles of Narnia kind of gets at this. Santa, which is, I, <laughs> anyway, Santa Claus is coming in and he's giving them gifts they need for their journey and trek or, you know, and it's kind of weird. You know, they're like, why do I get this? But then they need all these things. That's kind of how God, that's supposed to depict sort of how God's giving us spiritual gifts or something like that. So the first correction is you can't just say, no, I don't do that. And that's weird. Um, because in, the, in the, first, the first verse of the chapter 12, he says this, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some, some translations say ignorant. So you can't just go, I don't do that. That would be being ignorant or being uninformed. Okay, So that's correction one. That's what chapter 12, correction one, also talking about how the gifts fit together. Now, then you go to chapter 14, which is correction two. So if you felt, the, like when I just said, you can't just say no to that, and that was like, oh, that really bothers me. Like, he's going to make me do things. The answer is yes, but you're probably not going to now feel the no on this one. This is for everybody else. So if you didn't feel the no that time, if you're like, yeah, the spiritual gifts, this is the one you're probably going to hear. <laughs> and that, so correction two is in chapter 14, and it's not like this. It's not like anything goes or that the weirder the better. I think I have a slide for this. Do I not? Yeah, so not anything goes or the weirder the better. So some of us that really get awakened by the idea that there's this spiritual realm, I don't like to say that word, but this idea that like there are things happening that we can't see and that we're now interacting with them and God is moving in our presence and these, these, God is doing things in our midst that we can't do ourselves. These spiritual gifts are flowing. Let's go all in. And usually what that means in like a social group is like, let's get as weird as we possibly can, you know. Two things happen with that. This group over here is getting weirder and weirder and oftentimes getting out of bounds of like, if like there's the biblical boundaries, they're like, let's go way over here, you know, like, and you'll hear, and it doesn't take long to Google and start digging stuff up. Some of you have been around a lot of this stuff. So he's giving a correction in chapter 14, which you can read on your own time of like, it's not like 
that's not how you're supposed to do this, especially as a group. That like the weirder we can get, the better. Because my the whole thing I'm gonna always tell you guys is the Bible is weird enough and God is weird enough without us helping. Okay. Okay. This is important. Now, I don't think our particular body here is struggling with this, but I do think that you know who knows where we're all coming from. I don't know who's on the internet right now watching this. Maybe this is just for you, but. The weirder is not equal better, necessarily. But at the, So he gives a lot of order to this whole thing. But when you're also pursuing this weirder is better thing, the people over here that are going, like, you know, I'm not going to step into what God is offering, they'll jump across what God really wants to do to the weirders. It's like, see, that's why I'm not going to do that. Look at these guys, you know. They're like worshiping angels and stuff. I'm not going to do that, you know. So it gives them an excuse to look, you know. So what we really all need to do is if you're way over here in, like, weird town, is turn around, let's come back. You know, and if you're over here and like, I, I don't feel like <laughs> all of this stuff freaks me out. A lot of that has to do with control. Which you don't have, you just think you do. So part of that is just, what you, but you're going to have to start. So we're all going to have to move this way. And that's where in the middle you find this chapter 13 love chapter. It's really about living with other people, not just your wife or husband at your wedding, you see. It's like all the other people. So like when you're over here going like, yeah, I don't like this tongues thing because I don't know what's going on. It sounds really weird. And, and, God, and he's like, no, you need to come over and embrace this person who's currently almost in error of worshiping angels. We need to come together into this place of love. Am I making this point really clear? Okay. Because in 1 Corinthians, I'll read 1 Corinthians 14.1. I should have read this first. Follow the way of love and eagerly, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Um. And then at the end of that, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Because the truth is, it's for the benefit of other people, not ourselves. It's not just for an experience, you know. And it's not good to call things like an experience. Like, this is not a worship experience. You see, we are experiencing God, but that's not the point. That just makes it more about us. It's really about everybody else. And this is what the whole love thing is about. So the main point today is about love. And you go through this, we're going to just read chapter 13 because it's not long and it's not hard to understand. Every single person here can understand this. Like, like how old or how young you are, you're going to be like, yeah, I get that. And it's kind of in three parts, maybe two. I kind of put three. This is my kind of breaking down. The first one is the importance of love. The second one and maybe the only other one is <laughs> descriptions of what love is like. But really, I put like the third one I put in there is like how permanent this is. Like this is the real deal stuff the most excellent way. And um, let me just read through this, and we'll just kind of talk as we do. Keeping in mind, we're coming into a world where people know about spiritual gifts. They've seen people healed. They've seen people speak prophetically. They've seen people speaking in tongues. This is where he's talking. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. So, if you were in that group I was just encouraging about, like, this tongues thing, like, hey, let's, let's, let's give it a shot. He's saying, that's not the end. Like, doing that is like, well, my whole life has changed. And he's like, like, you can do that in the wrong spirit, okay? And then, not only do you become not useful, you become annoying, I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have the faith that can move mountains, so that's two things. You can prophesy, you can like see, you know, see everything that's going on. Or faith that can move mountains, that's like a Jesus reference there, you know. 
Faith that can move mountains but do not have love. So you can have those two things without having love. I am nothing. (laughs) If I give all I possess to the poor, so now you're the generous one. Like, I take care of people, all right? People don't take care of me. I take care of people. When I see a problem, I fix it. Like, this is a good heart. Like, he's saying, these aren't, you know, you know, but why are you doing that? You know, and if I give my body over to hardship so that I may boast, like, you know, I, I suffer for God, you know. But do not have love, I gain nothing. So you can do all of these impressive things that impress other people in a social group. And be like, wow, that guy is really deep. And you have no love and you're nothing. Or you're annoying. Or uh, you gain nothing or you, and you are nothing. <laughs> so now we move to the second part. We talked about what is love like? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. I'm just going to read those again, all right? Because this is the Bible talking about what love is like. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is a this one right now is very important. <laughs> love is kind. So there's no kind there's no love that isn't kind, okay? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Remember that other scripture, love covers a multitude of sins. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love does not delight in evil. Like It's like when you get happy when a bad thing happens to somebody you don't like, that's not love. Rejoicing with the truth. I don't even know what that means. Oh, it always protects always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. So these gifts are important. But they, this is the third part, the permanence of love, okay? Because we need these spiritual gifts to function with each other and in this time and to see the kingdom of God expanded throughout the world and all this kind of stuff. We need these things. You know, it has to happen that way. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. One day we don't need them anymore. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Okay? So this is giving the kind of epic scale of this whole thing. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. That's a key thing to just remember. We've all got a piece of this puzzle that we need each other to, you know. And we know in part. But when completeness comes, when Jesus returns with his kingdom and like it says in Revelation, we read this scripture, the last Christ candle, you know, there will be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. Like all, all, he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. When that kind of thing happens, we don't need this stuff anymore. When completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Here's an interesting, so then all of a sudden he says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. What he means by this, um, the... Uh, these cultures, and somewhat still now, but definitely these cultures, the Jewish culture, the Roman culture he's talking to, they had rites of passage where you were a child and then we'd 
have an event, and now you're an adult. We would say things like, this guy's being tried as an adult, these kind of things. But we actually lack these rites of passage, I think, to our detriment, personally. Um, and so he's not talking about childlikeness. Like when Jesus is saying, you know, you have to even be like a child to come into the kingdom. You know, like, that's not what he's talking about. So, like, this is linguistically, I don't know, maybe not the best, but, like, not childlikeness, childishness. You see what I'm saying? Childishness is a no. Childlikeness is a always yes, okay? <laughs> we could talk about that more later. But the, you get the idea. Child, what he's saying is the, the ways of childhood is, like, when you're a kid, um, you you aren't expected to uh, pay your own way. You aren't expected to understand, like, understand to give consent to things like we talk about. Like, you can't, you can't um, understand how your actions are affecting other people. You kind of get a pass, you know, because you're a kid. And then there's a moment in these cultures where saying, you're not a kid anymore. Now you need to act like an adult. Not lose the childlikeness that still has the faith to believe in God and all these kinds of things, but to understand that what you do matters, it affects other people, especially in the context of these verses. You're part of a body. So he's kind of saying, so act like it. And it's in a good way. I mean, I'm saying it sounds really like, so act like, you know, but I mean, like, the, the thing is, when we have organs in our body that aren't doing their part, you get sick or you die. And he's saying, Look, you're a kidney. You need to be a kidney or else the body's going to die, you know. And I don't mean the body of Christ is going to die, but you get the point. Like, we need you to be you. And it's time to put away the self-centered child, childishness, okay? This is what he's saying there. When I was a kid, I was self-centered, but now I'm not anymore because I'm an adult and I realize what's going on. And he's saying this to believers. So he's saying, you realize what's going on, and what I've just said to you is true. You know this truth about love. Love is patient. It's kind. It does not even. He's like, so why are you doing all of these things? He's kind of listing off a list of all of us. We're like, yeah, I'm not that good at all of that. He's like, okay. You know, that's not, that's not okay. That's childishness. It's self-centeredness. For, I, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we, we shall see face to face. And back then mirrors weren't like as good as they are now. It was like polished you know, it's like you could see kind of. So they, they, they made more sense back then. It wasn't like that great, you know. And it was also something only rich people had anyway. But um, he's making the point that right now we only see part of things. One day we're going to stand before Jesus and all will be revealed. And we're like, okay, I got it now. But, you know, he's saying that we've got enough to work with here to get through. We now see in a mirror, but we shall see face to face. Now I know in part and I shall know fully. I, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. This will all happen. He's like, but these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And then he goes, and now back to all this stuff about living together with spiritual gifts and being in a church together. <laughs> so that's an interesting place to stick this whole thing. And this is just 1 Corinthians 13. Take it home. Think about it. Read through each one of these things slowly. But the questions I had to write after this was like, who believes this is true? That's all of us. Yeah, all of us that are believers believe that this is true. And who thinks this is just, the answer to all of these is yes, okay? <laughs> who thinks this describes how Jesus lived on earth? All of us. And is this godly character? Yes. This is how it's described. And like, remember that whole what would Jesus do thing that happened? That was what this whole thing was about. Like, 
What would Jesus do if he was standing here right now? And it would be to be described in these terms, okay? And, and how many of us think that this describes how we should be as Christian people? All of us. And who, who would want to live in a community that was like this? I think everyone. And who, who believes we're called to live like this? I think all of us. <laughs> and who wants to? The word I got when I, Pastor Kevin had said pray um, was the word share. And um, I thought, well, that's funny because that's like our church verse, the sharing the gospel and sharing our lives, you know. It's like, I get it, you know. I'm the pastor, so that's the word I get. But I felt like the Lord was like, oh, yeah, but in this context here, um, when you see yourself as part, which you all are, you have something to share. And what we're going to be doing this year is moving this whole community of people towards us seeing within ourselves this thing that we have to share with everyone. In chapter 12 of this book, he's talking about the body with different parts. And not all the parts, you know, always get each other. And some are jealous of other ones. I mean, you could go read it. We, we preached on it not too long ago. Um, but all the parts are needed, and God has put us here, and you're a part of that, and you have something to share. And so what we're going to be doing as a church is moving towards opportunities for us to share with each other these things because that's where I think the spiritual growth is going to come from that we need. And it's not just for um, the old among us. This is for everyone. I think everybody can understand what I'm talking about, and God knows who's here and why and all that kind of thing. And we're all part of the body. Uh, again, that first, like the next verse in this whole thing, 14.1, he says, follow the way of love. Okay? So this is what we're going to try to do together, is follow this way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gifts of prophecy. Um, God has... <laughs> when I pray for our church, I see so much unlocked potential. There are some of you that have been a believer for most of your life and you don't feel comfortable with that. And it's time for that to end. And it's not because you're bad. You know, we're in, we're in dark times. We're in a dark place. There's a lot of factors to all of this kind of thing. But it's just time for that to end because what's going on is all of that is a lie. This is the one true most excellent way. And you have that. But somehow this, this fog, you know, the seeing partly, all this kind of stuff he's talking about has gotten into our heads. We're like, uh, I don't want to do that because what if? It's like, what, who cares? You know what I mean? If we're following this way of love, the boundaries get really wide as to, like, when things starting, start to get bad. <laughs> you, know, you get what I mean? Like, we can go way far out, not into crazy town but like we talked about earlier. But the thing is, you know, things can be done in good spirit. And they'll carry that with it, even if what you do is wrong. You know, we don't have to be so hyper-worried. But there's, it's time. It's just time. Some of us, it's like, it's time to step into the calling that God has put on your life. It's time. Like, what are we waiting on? There's nothing else to wait on. It's time to do it. You know, some of you go, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even have hope to, like, my family's messed up. I go, I get that. That's the thing. That's, what, that's where this is needed, you know. 
No, I don't want to get too specific about it because it might sound like I'm talking about people. But the thing is, it's, I'm talking about all of us. I'm talking about myself. I'm talking. We, we have to forget the way we normally see things and start to see things through this kind of lens. This is the most excellent way. It's the most excellent way. And if you experience something like a shift in your family like I did, you'll get, a, uh, you'll get an automatic emotional shift where you'll understand that. Maybe for a moment. I say hold on to that because that's closer to... The, the, the completeness that he's talking about, that's closer to it than maybe where I live normally. That's what it felt like for me. When my grandmother died, all of a sudden all these things shifted, and I was like, I feel closer to what's really going on than the way I normally live. And I couldn't put all the words into it. Like, gosh, what is this stuff? I want to get rid of it. I just want to get rid of it. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think that that's the truth for all of us. So we're going to move in this way of love with sharing each other because we need each other. You don't need me. We need each other. We need this church to be who we need to be so that we can be a light into the community because there are people dying in the community right across the fence over there that don't know who Jesus is. That's not okay. Our church is here for some reason. We follow the Lord. We ended up here. I don't know all of why, but this is where we are right now. This is what we need to be working. It's where we need to be seeing the kingdom expanded, and we're going to. And one of the things we're going to do is simplify some things. Um, we are going to talk about spiritual gifts, but that wasn't the point of this message. The point of this message is the following the way of love, which is so, it's described there. Take this home, read it over and over again, because this is the kind of way that we need to be. And it isn't the kind of way that's being modeled by a lot of people right now. Church people, the normal people, whatever. You know, love is kind should be like a, like when I see that, that jumps off the page. It's like, yeah, that's not what I'm seeing a lot of. You know, I love people claiming Christian things being really mean, you know. And or, or really unkind. We'll just make it very clear, you know. And uh, um, but one thing we're going to do is simplify. Um, I'll just share this really quick since I have it in here. Um, I'll get to the practical point in a second. The we're going to end in a different way. We're not going to sing a song. Um, we're going to be following the way of love in this uh, season, and hopefully forever. And what I think that will look like is not being so hard on each other all the time and being gracious to each other and allowing other people to be wrong and being kind and patient and not quickly angered, which I struggle with that <laughs> I can be quickly angered. Um, but the kind of shift that I was talking about, you see this in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, which obviously a lot of us probably just watched this in the last, you know, it's a Christmas movie. So we all watched it. And you see this guy who's gone through his whole life in that cloud of seeing things darkly. And then he gets a, and this is not a Christian movie, all right, okay, I get it. You know, it's a little, it's like a parable, okay. Um, but he gets a window into this kind of shift that I'm talking about where he starts to see the most excellent way, the way of love, that this is what his values get shifted. And that's what will happen to us as we live into this sort of way. We'll start to not care about the things we cared about. And in that movie, which you've all seen, spoiler alert, you know, he comes around <laughs> and he, uh, um, he, uh, he goes through that exact same thing where the things that seem important to him don't seem that important anymore and, and vice versa. And... And the challenge that I want to give to us as we go into this year is <laughs> my second Bill and Ted's reference, which is at the end of the movie where they instruct everyone to be excellent to each other. 
And that's what I want us to take away from today. Um, I feel really stupid up here saying that with something that important, but it makes me happy. So y'all have to deal with it. So just leave that up here. What we're going to do in this next season is simplify some of what we're doing so that we have room to be excellent to each other. Um, I had mentioned before, we're going to start studying the Gospel of John. Um, That's going to start next week. It's going to run most of the spring, maybe even all the way up to the summer. But what we're going to do is consolidate some things where, um, like our youth Bible, our our, our, our girls' Bible study, y'all are going to be studying the book of John as well. And I'm going to encourage the house churches to study the book of John. And then the women's Bible study is going to study the book of John. And we're going to be preaching on the book of John. And then Kevin and I have been talking about the, the Wednesday night Bible studies. is either going to be some of John and some of the epistles and Revelation, like John's books maybe, you know. But it's all going to be, and it's not because like, man, John's like the greatest guy ever. It's, it's not that this is something that the Lord led us to. But what we're going to be doing is diving deeper into this gospel story because the gospel of John is... When you say the gospel, the gospel is the story of Jesus, right? The, jo- the story of Jesus understood in the context of the Bible. The story of Jesus is the good news. Boiled down, Jesus is in charge, and that's great. Or Jesus is God, and that's God. That's, you know, that's the good news. But it's more complicated than that, and it gets as deep as we want to get. And that's why we're going to take more time to go through it. But also this, so that the, we have time to minister to each other. Okay, this is what I want to start. See, I've told we we've been developing even things like this in our we have people. We're not all here today and we're not even going to do this today. But in our in our services here, we have people that are good at praying for each other. And we say that's a weird thing to say. It's like it's not read some of this first Corinthians stuff like it's not weird. It's important. And we need to be praying for each other. And here's the funny thing. We had a Christmas thing for the leaders and the staff and everything, and we just spent some time praying for each other. And I was like, this is exactly what I've been wanting to see across the whole church. I said a year ago when we met with the prayer team, I said, I suspect that in the very near future that this will be the most important part of our service. The people are like, get this music and talking part out of the way so that we can pray for each other. And I thought, well, that might take a month. (laughs) And instead, it it took a little longer. We haven't even gotten there yet. And some of you go, I don't want anyone to touch me, and that's weird. And you go, okay, we have some, you know, there's some growth to happen. It's because it's good, and we don't know yet. And so what we're going to try to do is simplify what we're focusing on so that we have time in our meetings together, especially our smaller meetings, especially our house churches, which if you're not in one, you need to sign up when we open that back up again. But when we gather together, we pray for each other because we all need it. And the Lord is speaking through these prayers from other people. And he's speaking through everyone. And it's awesome. And it will start this chain reaction where all of a sudden the Lord is doing these amazing things in our midst. But Dalton, come up here. I want This is what we're going to end today. Dalton and Anne felt led by God. And I think this is awesome. What we have for the Gospel of John. And they purchased these and they're making these available for everyone is we're going to start this next week. And I know many of you are at home still. We're going to have these um, available for the next couple weeks for people who will use them, okay? And I'm not saying that to be, like, super harsh or anything, but I'm just saying this is real. This costs real money. (laughs) It was given by 
generous people. So take it seriously. What it is, is it's the gospel of John with notes on the side, or a space for notes on the side, to give you a place to write down some ideas and things like that. So when we're meeting, you know, if Kevin's up here preaching, or I'm up here preaching, or whatever, you go, that was interesting. I have a question about that, or that's really cool. And then when I'm meeting in a couple of days with the youth girls Bible study, I can bring that up, and we can grow together in this. And Dalton wanted to share some about these, because they're pretty nice. Uh, recently, I had the opportunity to spend uh, about six weeks reading the book of John a number of times and listening to a number of teachings on it. And uh, it was really enabled me to understand more fully how little I know about the Lord and how much I need to listen to His Word and read it and study it. And so um, when Brian started talking about we're going to preach about John, I was really excited because I realized I had more to learn about it. And so Anne and I have um, been blessed to uh, give these to each one of you who wants one so that you can read it, read the parts that Brian doesn't talk about and ask him about those parts because he won't quite talk about the whole of it. And uh, the story is one contiguous uh, thing from beginning to end. And so there are books at the back. We encourage you to take one and to read it and to bring it and like, journal, doodle, draw in it, write in it. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And, and that's a gift they're giving. And so it's this awesome thing. So I don't want to take any more time. I just want to pray and then invite you. He's got this box in the back. Just be back there. And um, uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to go. And we're going to be going into this new year kind of with boldness to see what the Lord's going to do. Because I don't know what that is. Um, and I think it's going to be awesome. But I think it's going to be a surprise to every single one of us. So, God, you are the God of miracles. You're the God of love. You're the God of, um, like you said, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Some of us need faith. Some of us need hope. And all of us need love. And, Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit on this body of people. And as we engage with your word um, in this gospel, this good news written down by the the Apostle John, Lord, I pray that we would encounter you and your kingdom um, in new ways, new ways for each and every one of us. None of us fully know what we're doing. We're all seeing in part and through the glass darkly, but that one day we know we will be fully known or we, that we will fully know you even as we are fully known, Lord. But help us to right now pursue this way of love. And Lord, help us to be excellent to each other as we go into this new year. In Jesus' name, amen.